Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Monday, April 24th. This is episode number 195. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Going good, Rod. Um, you know, it's finally here, our Super Bowl week. Yeah. <laughs> right. We have to wait an extra day, probably. You know, or two. Or two, yeah. More than other teams. But, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be exciting. Learn a little bit more about the about the roster. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, cool, cool time of year as always uh, for fans of the Browns. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, and here to help us do that is our friend Casey Kenneman. Casey, how are things going? Going great. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Doing just doing just fine. Um, I should say you're a, a writer for Dog Pound Daily. I just blew off the introduction completely. Um, yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit too much about being professionals before we started recording. So so yeah. Um, uh, is there anything else, Casey, that you have going on right now that that you want to throw out? Um, yeah, I actually just recently started writing for Last Word on Sports, covering the Carolina Panthers. So it's wow. an interesting time to start discussing that team right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. So all my Browns content can still be found at Dog Pound Daily. I'm just trying to sharpen my skills as a journalist. So I figure if I could cover a team that I'm not emotionally attached to, I think that might might help help me with uh, objectivity. Because sometimes as someone who covers the Browns, I have to step back and ask myself if I really believe – and what I think, or if I want it to be true, because I want the team to succeed. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. just kind of an exercise in that. Yep. That's great. That's yeah. That's um, very. Um, I mean, that that's thoughtful. That, that's a good way to look at uh, sharpening your writing, definitely. And of course, everybody can follow you at Casey underscore Kinnaman, K I N N A M O N, and um, check out all your stuff there. And we're going to get into. What we're drinking tonight with our blitz beverages casey you get to go first on this so what, what do you have there i have a river falls red ale it's from thomas creek brewery here in greenville south carolina uh, it's, it's a this, this is my first sip of it i haven't had any until just now mm-hmm. uh, they've only been in business since 1998 it's a relatively new brewery it's a uh, pretty smooth it's a light caramel finish not overly beefy. He's only 6.2 ABV, so uh, it's kind of it's just a nice smooth, nice smooth red ale. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Nice. I've noticed with some red ales are a little bit more red than others, and you can almost taste the red, and some are pretty smooth. So I kind of like the smooth ones, the ones that kind of feel like you got some red dye in your mouth afterwards. Yeah, not <laughs> probably not my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I'm drinking a what is this? Uh, a Flying Dog Bloodline Blood Orange IPA, eight percent ABV, and it's pretty good. I got to tell you, the first sip of it, I thought I tasted a little bit of like whiskey in it, but that that, that flavor's gone away, and the Kind of the, the hoppiness and blood orange kind of balance each other out. So it's, I mean, it's a little bit stronger than your average beer, but at, you know, at 8%, but it's, it's not overly, you know, it's not overpowering. So, um, and I like that orange flavor. 
and a beer. So um, the blood oranges, I, I tend to gravitate towards. So um, when I'm not trying other beers and <laughs> overall, it's pretty good. So um, nice. I think my first try of a, uh, of a flying dog, which you would think I would have tried that before being a Browns fan, but I had not. So, so anyway, so let's uh, let's move on to some Browns talk, guys. And I'll let you guys do some rambling instead of me. So, um, <laughs> Casey, you um, you cover the Browns. Um, let's let, let's just get kind of some just some general thoughts from you on the draft coming up before we kind of dive in and look at picks and who we think is going to go where and everything. Um, you you put some articles out and some thoughts and been following things. So just. I guess just some general takes, whatever you want to talk about as far as the, the draft from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, so this is the second year in a row where we knew we weren't going to have a first round pick. So when you cover a team that doesn't have a first round pick, you kind of have to get in the weeds a little bit to try to find, you know, some value in the draft, some gems in the rough. And then uh, we decided, hey, we're not going to pick in the second round. Let's, let's pick in the third round for our first pick. And last year we got surprised with that and ended up being Martin Emerson, which uh, nobody had on their bingo board. You know, no, no one saw that no. one coming. Uh, but it turned out to be a very pleasant surprise. So, you know, you've got to be open-minded about these things. So you don't pick till 74. Well, there's just so much variance that could happen between picks one and 73 that, you know, you can hope that a board falls a certain way. But at the end of the day, we don't know how this is going to fall, you know. And I would caution fans to keep one thing in mind. The Browns only have four picks next year. They're not going to only take four picks next year. At some point in this draft, they're going to trade back. Mm-hmm. And the sooner they trade back, the more value they get for that trade back. So I'm not predicting they don't take a 74 because we don't know how the board's going to fall. And maybe the guy they want's going to be there and they take that pick. But you shouldn't also be shocked if they don't pick a 74 and trade back to get more draft assets for next year. It just seems to be the yeah. way the front office operates. And, uh, you know, you just can't ever get your hopes up, you know, because at some point they are going to trade back. They had eight picks in this draft. I I will they, – there's no way they take eight players in this draft. You know, they're just not going to. So I just keep – everybody keep an open mind. Uh, this is going to shake out different than everyone foresees. And like I said, last year they walked away with Martin Emerson. And I think that should be a lesson. Because nobody, you know, was predicting corner, let alone the, the players specifically. But nobody was even predicting them taking a corner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just their thought process is a little different. Um, but I do think that this draft has they have an opportunity to trade up if it's a what they view as a uh, valuable position. So if if the right edge rusher falls far enough, because if you look at the players they brought in on the visits on their their top 30 visits they brought in a few players that are 100% not going to be there at 74 well why did they bring them in because there is a chance that a player slides to a position they're comfortable with trading up for that's what makes it interesting if you if, if someone like Trenton Simpson from from Clemson you know is still available in the 60s there's a chance they might trade up to go get that guy, you know, or Jalen Hyatt. They brought him in the speedster from Tennessee. 
Mm-hmm. He's not going to be there at 74. Mm-hmm. What, what if something happens and he's still available towards the end of round two? You might see a trade up. And, that, and, and for a team that doesn't pick until the third round, just the, the thought that that is a possibility could be exciting. Yeah, Jeff, I want to Jeff, I want to get your thoughts on the the guys that the Browns brought in cuz we talked about this in in the past couple of weeks. How much, you know, and how much credence you put in in the guys they bring in and how much the Browns how much interest the Browns really have in those guys. Right. Yeah, I mean this time of year is always a little bit about misdirection too, right? Where you kind of disguise the guys you're really interested in. Um, but I honestly think that several of those guys, um, that they brought in, there's really good chance that, that they'll end up on the team. Um, just because we're, we're looking for some pretty specific, uh, backfill type of players this year. And Andrew Berry has been really specific about the fact also that the draft is not about this year. The draft is about next year and beyond. So, you know, last year he took nine players. The year before he took eight. Um, And a lot of those are, you know, late picks. Almost all of them. I mean, all of them were late picks last year, but almost Mm -hmm. over the last two years, almost all of them have been late picks. Um, So the way he views the draft is he's going to find value no matter where he's picking. And because we have a strong roster this year, we don't have to be looking for guys to step in and start. We need to be looking for guys who will fill holes that may not open up for a year or two. Right. So just because we're set this year at wide receiver, for instance, we know who the top five guys are, right. Doesn't mean that next year or the year after that we're going to be set at wide receiver, you know, that, that we're going to automatically give Donovan Peoples Jones an $11 million a year extension. Um, maybe yeah. we're thinking this year about how we're going to replace him in two years, right? So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of um, sleight of hand that goes on this time of year. And um, Andrew Barry's pretty good at that kind of stuff. So I do think that some of those guys coming in will end up on the team. I think some of it is probably also a little bit of, of um, hiding his cards to, to not tip off other teams to what exactly he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's got to be a little bit of each, a little bit of gamesmanship going on, you would think. Yeah. Yep. Um, there were a couple pieces of Browns news, and and, and also uh, also Andrew Berry, Andrew Berry suggested that the Browns um, will be taking some defensive ends in this draft. Um, mm. Do you guys take that at face value? Yeah, well. There's well, a lot have, of them. They, they have to. They, they have to take some defensive line help. Um, they, just being just taking a step back, like they have one starting defensive tackle on the team. And they they for me, that's where the draft is at 74 if a certain player is there. Um, if Keanu Benton is sitting there at 74, they have to run that card up. Right now, they have Dalvin Tomlinson and then a hope and a prayer starting beside him. Uh, and if they can improve that there, that's the, the space to do it. 
If not, they do have to go back into free agency and find someone who can at least hold serve because they'll get a defensive tackle later, but that might not be someone who, like Jeff said, might not be someone who's ready to even contribute right away and just someone who's going to be able to step up in a year or two. But in the time being, they do have to get a starting defensive tackle. It's somehow, some way. And the only one I see that might possibly be available at 74 is Keanu Benton. But that also might be someone they might have to trade up to go get. And as far as edge, we're still relying on upside. Um, they went and got double O. I'm not going to attempt to try to pronounce the young man's name and slaughter it. <laughs> but Miles Garrett well and then double O. And then you're really hoping that Alex Wright can take that next step. Can you go into a 17-game season with your top backup being unproven? I don't know. I don't know that you can. Um, so I do think that they will be adding to that room throughout the draft. I'd say you get at least one edge, if not two edges, before it's all said and done. Yeah. What What are your thoughts about edge, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I, I guess if the best player available at a certain pick happens to be an edge, which there's a pretty good chance in this draft that that'll be true because there's just so many of them this year. It's kind of the same thing we talked about with cornerbacks that, you know, mm-hmm. they could take a cornerback pretty much at any one of these draft positions and, you know, it'd be a good player, be a good value. The problem is, I think, is that, you know, with, with this many draft picks and, you know, using them like that, um, those guys have to be able to make the team. They have to be able to play. Um, so, you know, is is another defensive end late in this draft going to necessarily leapfrog Isaiah Thomas, much less Alex Wright, in the next year or two? Right. So, yeah, I I I think as far as D line, we certainly need a lot of help. Um, we could come up with the right player at the top of the draft. There's a good chance, like Casey said, that that guy plays a lot of snaps this year because of need, right? So yeah. if you're if you're going to prioritize need in the draft, you know, that that's where we have to do it. You know, that that position um on the defensive line. Um pretty much everywhere else, every other position you could make a case, like I said that that you know, you could take that player, you know, whether it's your your third tight end or your third safety or you know any other position that you're you're really drafting for the future you know just as a as a role player a special teams player over the next season or two and hopefully that player develops into you know either a solid backup or potentially a starter right um realistically in this in this draft um places to do that i think are cornerback and defensive end it's just again because there's just so much volume of quality guys yeah and you make an interesting point there jeff because um, you know andrew barry could get down to you know just say one of these fourth round picks and he could be looking at a defensive defensive end and be considering a guy and he has to make that decision whether that guy can can compete and actually make the roster or whether right. he's better off like like Casey said trading that fourth round pick for a, a third rounder you know in in 24 right 
there's a lot of directions he can go. So, sure. so yeah, and a lot of things he has to think about for the future as far as what's best. Yeah, and I think he made the statement today, to, today or yesterday, that um, he is much more likely to trade down than he is to trade up. Um, so trading down to acquire additional assets, either this year or next year, is probably a, a more likely scenario for him in this draft than the alternative of, you know, he sees a guy he likes, you know, five picks up and, you know, pulls off a trade to, to go get that guy. Unless it's really a guy who's a huge difference maker, you know, somebody that we think can step in this year at the top of the draft for, for <laughs> at the top of our draft, I should say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, in different. the top, in the top, you know, 70 players, right. Maybe we can get up into the early sixties or late fifties, you know, by, by moving a couple additional assets um, to get a guy that can fill that role that we really kind of need soon. Um, but I think otherwise we're, you know, like I said, we're looking at depth pieces throughout this draft. Yeah, so so it's going to be a guy who people thought was going to go in the the mid forty range to the mid fifties, and he's still there in the early sixties. Right. Yeah, he's sitting there around sixty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be interesting because mm-hmm. we know that. Uh, I mean, Andrew Berry's not afraid to do pretty much anything that he thinks is going to make make the team better. So right. Yeah. Um, and there were there were a couple. Well, let's see. It's really only the only other piece of Browns news really is Joel Batonio donating a million dollars to the <laughs> University of Nevada um, to get it to have a uh, new weight room. Building. Yeah, yeah a name, name after him. Room. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I mean, that's it, it, great. What do you What do you want to say? I mean, mm-hmm. we we all know he's a he's a good good guy. So um, yeah. yeah. Well, well done. Well right. done. Um, I. Is there uh, anything? I thought Casey might want to comment on the the CJ Stroud DS2 test. I know that's not a Browns thing, but it's an Ohio State thing, um, <laughs> and it deals with the draft. Um, I'm scoring in the 18th percentile on this S2 test. Um, do you guys do they place too much uh, too much emphasis on these tests? I you know I know things go season to season I, I don't know how proven these tests are and if they they've changed these tests over time or whatnot so um casey what what are your thoughts on that well they've moved on from the wonderlick which everyone agreed was outdated over time but there was a point mm-hmm. in time where the wonderlick was the end all be all of testing for yeah. performance indicators and you know, just like this, I'm sure this is a better test for, for aptitude and recall and all the things that you would need and they, to your, you would want your quarterback to have. But you can't put too much weight into any one thing because for me, no matter what you look at a prospect, you know, whether it's the size or the athleticism or the, the combine testing, it always comes back to the tape. Yeah. So this test tells you what it tells you and you take whatever credence into that. But does that disprove the tape? Does that like you go back and watch the game differently because he only scored an 18 or, you know, so for me, I don't, I honestly feel like Stroud has just been drugged through the mud these last 10 days. Boy, he sure has. I, I did a mock draft on last word for sports for the Panthers. 
I think Stroud should be the first. If they're going to get a quarterback in there, they're serious about it. I for me, he's the pick. I I just he's ready to play now. He if he if it's in structure and everything's clean, you know the ball's coming out on time. It's accurate. It'll be good ball placement. Um, I just don't see. I don't see how. And this is we should also talk about this. The draft's going to be interesting, even if just as a football fan, because this is the biggest draft of outliers I've ever seen. You know, you look at Bryce Young. He's 5'10", 190 pounds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, he, that doesn't mean he can't make plays, but I will say I don't think he can make plays for long. I don't think you're looking at a player who's going to last 10 years in the league. Mm-hmm. It, it is literally too physical of a sport to hold up at the, with that frame, unless they change the rules so much more drastically on, how, you know, on protecting quarterbacks, which isn't out of the question, knowing the league. Yeah, true. But, you know, it, there's – if. They're just trying to like find something, some flaw in CJ Stroud, right? Yeah. He's got the yeah. size. He's he's a he's a good enough athlete that it doesn't alter the way you call plays. He's not a dynamo athlete like Anthony Richardson. But CJ Stroud, make no mistake, you everyone watched that Georgia game. Like yeah. he can do the things athletically that the modern quarterback needs to do to succeed at the next level. He's the most accurate quarterback in this draft. And then people you know, they'll, they find ways to tear things down that make no sense. You'll look at a quarterback like him, and they'll, they'll, all of a sudden they'll point to the talent that he plays with as a negative. <laughs> they, 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 like, yeah, he's used to throwing NFL players. He'll be just fine. Right. right. It, it's not a negative. If Marvin Harrison is awesome, I, I don't see all of a sudden. I don't know. It's, it, it is crazy. You know, I, I would like to see a copy of this S2 test, and I'd like to take it myself just to see, you know, like <laughs> what I would score. It'd be interesting, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. It'd be very interesting. I think that at the end of the day, it's just a piece of the puzzle, and whatever team wants to put more stock into that than something else, you know, that's that's just their process. Some people believe the combine is only about 5% of the total picture. They make such a big deal of the combine, you would think it would be much more. Yeah. Right. Um, Oh, yeah. I, I just think it's crazy. It's the last 10 days have been crazy for that young man. I hope he just keeps his head up and doesn't listen to the noise and goes out and performs because I think he can. And I think that he could be a top 10 quarterback in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeff, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I agree. The, the, the only test that really matters to me is the eye test. And the fact that probably – Four of the first five picks are going to be quarterbacks in this draft. Um, tells you how the league views quarterbacks. Um, it's a quarterback-dependent league. And even if they miss on one of those four, teams will just keep doing it. They'll keep taking quarterbacks. So I think Stroud's probably um, – going to be like most Ohio State quarterbacks where it takes him a couple of years to get established in the league. But I think he's going to be just fine. I mean, that's that's how long it takes most quarterbacks, right? Right, guys? I mean, there's it, the, it might take yeah. Ohio State guys a little longer on average, but... Right, know. there's the yeah. occasional exception, but... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's look at this Browns draft... 
a little bit in depth, just kind of uh, talking about what we think is going to happen. And Casey, you talked, you mentioned some of this in your in your intro and your thoughts on the draft, but the Browns have the eight picks, two thirds, two fourths, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Let's talk about how many picks you guys think the Browns uh, will make, how many will be traded, and how many will be. Um, let's try and make this. Uh, how many? I guess how many would be traded for use this year, and then how many will be moved? Um, you know, till to next season or beyond. Let's put it, let's let's divide them up that way of the eight. Okay. So, okay. Um. So Casey, we'll let, we'll let you go first, and I'm going to tally all this stuff up, and and it won't matter at all. Well, that's good because <laughs> I am not a math guy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah. So your total needs to come up to eight. Gotcha. <laughs> that's pretty much. I, I it. might be able to do that for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, out of the eight picks, now one thing we didn't talk about earlier is um, I think that there is an option that they do, we see both a trade up and a trade back at some point in this draft from the Browns. Mm-hmm. But I think the trade up will be in conjunction with a player. I think if they do trade up in this draft, they're going to use one of their players as an asset to move up and not use draft capital that they don't have to use because, frankly, they don't have it next year. So yeah. out of the eight, I'd say you're going to get. Uh, they're probably only going to take. I think they're going to take six to seven players. Let's say let's go with six players. Okay. And they're going to try to accumulate two additional picks for next year. Now, I I think they'll probably be later picks. I don't think they'll get anything above a fourth for next year. Okay. Um, but you got to consider they have eight picks, but one of those was a compensatory for this year. And I don't think they'll be eligible to gain any compensatory next year from anyone they would lose outside of Donovan Peoples-Jones. If they lose Donovan Peoples-Jones, they would be eligible for a compensatory pick from him. Um, so I think I think they're going to try to, I think, six this year and two push back to next year. Which if they lose DPJ, that would put them up to, that would put them back to seven picks, right, is what you're saying. But if they went with, with what you're saying. Yes. Which would probably be where they would try to get to. Okay. That makes sense. Um, Jeff, what do you think? I think that's pretty close. Um, I I would probably say that they're going to trade one of the late picks for for a pick next year. Like we talked about, I think, last week on the show, Rod, that, you know, turn a fifth into a fourth or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it really just depends on, on who falls into certain spots, you know, and if, if they get into a, a position in the draft where they just don't like anybody, you know, in, in that particular area, um, you know, like, like we said, but they've got 140 and 142 that are close. If they don't see two players there that they really like, maybe they just take one and, and move the other pick. So, yeah. um, you know, those, those are the picks that, that have some value, that I think you could, you know, upgrade for next year or, or do something else with. And, you know, I don't think a sixth or a seventh really has a seventh has a, a, like zero value to it. So, you know, why trade out of it? Right. You might as well just pick a guy, you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah, I guess if I was, if I was, if I was using my crystal ball, I'd say that, that 
there's there's maybe one or two guys that that they might trade up a little bit for if that doesn't happen um or if they get to 74 and there's nobody there that they really like you could see them trade back and you know maybe pick up an additional couple of picks that way um and then there's always that possibility of trading one of those later picks out you know like i said if if we get there and we don't see who we want so I'm just going to go ahead and say that they're going to make probably seven picks this year um, and trade one um, for another pick in a slightly better position next year. Okay. And we may be looking at this the wrong way, guys, because the way Andrew Barry operates, he he may trade down and pick up additional picks and trade some of those out. So this total may be greater than eight. <laughs> right. It could be <laughs> very possible. Yes. Um, he could trade the thirds down and pick up some lower picks and then trade those, some of those forward. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, and yeah, and I'm thinking kind of along those lines, I'm, I, I'm just going to say, I just feel like he's made so many picks in recent years. I think, I just think he's going to, go the other direction this year and maybe only make five picks this year. I think it'll be five or six, but I'm just going to say five just to be different because you guys said six and seven. I think he'll use a couple picks and trades and he'll trade one forward. So, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being, you know, that he, that he picks six players, uses three picks for trades and trades two forward, you know, something like that because he's moved around so much. Yeah. So, do you guys um, do you guys think he's going to move move up or move back more often? Well, he's just more there. He's always shown a propensity to want to move back, but we've seen both, right? We've seen the JOK move up in yeah. twenty twenty one, then we've seen the Emerson move back in in twenty two. Uh, so we've seen both sides. But Andrew did mention that that they're given where they're at, and I think we need to kind of acknowledge. The reason he's p- taking so many picks these last few years is the team he inherited had a decent starting lineup from from Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the depth was trash. Yeah, so yeah. he has stocked it with his guys, and we're going to find out a lot about Barry this year because, to this point, we've went through three draft classes, and only one player that he has drafted is not currently on the team in Richard LeCount. Mm-hmm. After this draft, there's going to be se- he's going to have to let go of several of his guys now. We're at that point, so we're going to find out, like what, you know, because he hasn't had to, like I said, because the depth wasn't good enough. So the guys he was supplying were the depth pieces. Now he's going to start interchanging, churning the bottom of the roster that were his guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I do, I do think that just the way he operates, they're more likely to trade back. Like Jeff said, I think they probably have two to three guys circled on that board that if they just happen to slide to a, a position they're comfortable with going up to get that they'll make the move and i think the jok trade a couple years ago kind of proves that yeah yeah so you agree jeff yeah i do i I think you know that that 74th pick like i said is is either it's the one you either move up a little bit to get your guy or if if there's nobody there you trade out of and you know if, if he ends up picking at 74 it's because there's a guy that he really likes there you know and and Later on in the draft, the the only other option to me is to move one of those fifth rounders. I think you know the, because I think he wants to pick he wants to be picking 
between 75 and 125. I mean, that's that's where the quality is in every draft when you're looking at the kind of roster that we have, you know, where we can take guys for third spots on our roster who can eventually grow into, you know, twos or ones. You know, so there's yeah. a lot of those kind of guys that you, you know that we're going to like in this draft if we're picking in that range. So if he can turn 74 into a couple more picks in that area, um, and yeah, he's going to do it. He's not going to think about it. You know. Yeah, I, I have to tell you guys if if we had if the Browns had a different GM, I would say that they would be more likely to trade up in this draft. You know, to use these fifth and these fifth rounders, the sixth and seventh, to package those with these fourth and third rounders to move up a few spots and grab his guy. But Andrew Barry doesn't do that. No, he, he knows he knows his guy or, or a guy he wants is going to be there in those spots unless he is moving up, you know, um, enough because the guy's fallen. But but he's not going to move up more than once in this draft. No. And he's more than likely going to move down, uh, you know, a time or two. You know so, what, so I'm Rod, I was, I was looking at the, uh, the pick value chart. And, you know, if, if he packaged 98 and 74 together, you know mm-hmm. how high that would get him? So like right about, right about 62. So, I was going to say somewhere <laughs> around 60. Yeah. 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 So is is a guy that you're going to get at 62 better than the two guys you would get at 74 and 98? Based I mean, only, on where we are with the roster, right? Yeah, it, it's only if you think it's a guy who is worthy of being taken like at 45. Well, you know, and that that's the only way you do that. Yeah. Is if you really think it's a difference maker who's going to really help the team and is probably, a, you know, that you think is going to come in to start up, but I don't think Andrew Barry's going to do that. Yeah. He's more likely to, to package, you know, um, to go to take the third rounder, you know, um, number 74 and maybe um, number 140 and move up a couple spots if he thought his guy was going to be gone, maybe. But uh, that would even be unusual for him. Mm-hmm. I just yep. I just don't see it. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about positions. What position, Casey, do you feel is most likely to have two guys drafted at uh, at the same position by the Browns? Who? I mean, I think if you were to pick two positions from you know two players at the same position, I think that would have to be edge. I don't think that there's and I, it should be defensive tackle, but I don't think that there's enough candidates. Uh, this okay. draft is has value at certain positions. It's deep in certain positions. It's deep at running back, tight end, cornerback, and defend and edge. That, that, that's it. And everything else is pretty thin. Defensive tackle is very thin, and uh-huh. for them to take two defensive tackles that would be playable, they'd have to do it pretty early in this process. And I just think they have other things that need addressed. So if they're going to get to at any one position, it would probably be edge in my mind. Yeah, Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I'm just going to add that um, edge or de- defensive end, um, 
is is there's players throughout the draft that play that position. So from the first round through the seventh, okay. D tackles, this draft is really split. There's a bunch of guys at the top and there's a bunch of guys at the bottom. And I th- think if you look at what Andrew Berry did last year with Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas, there's a good chance that he takes a guy he really, really likes early and then he doubles down again at that position at the end of the draft. And to me, what makes sense, you know, where it makes sense to do that is to detackle because that's what we need. You know, we we picked a couple of defensive ends last year. Um, and I, yeah, you're right, Case. You you need to keep trying to hit on those guys. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to taking as many defensive ends or, or edges as we, you know, we feel are good value. But I don't know. I think something, something tells me it's going to be detackle. Okay. I'll just I'll just throw out that the Browns still need help at safety and maybe they'll take a safety early and maybe grab one late. So just to come into camp. So I'll just yeah. uh yeah. I think another spot. It, it's possible, but I, I, I like both of you know what both of you guys said. I'm just throwing out something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um I guess I guess let's let's go back to the number of picks you guys said and um I don't need to write this down, but what? Um, let, let's talk about the positions you think are going to be drafted, Casey. And obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen, you know, above the Browns or what order they're going to take players in or anything like that. But um, if you had to look at the six guys that were going to be taken by the Browns, what's um, what kind of breakdown would you be expecting or, or would you be happy with coming out of the draft? Well, I, regardless of whatever happens in this draft, they still need to do a little, a couple things in free agency. Um, mm-hmm. I was very surprised that Al Woods wasn't signed when he, when he came in because uh, he yeah. went on two visits, mm-hmm. Cleveland and then the Jets, and didn't sign up either of them. Um, and for a lot of these veteran players, it's scary because – Maybe they have a deal in place, but the draft can completely wipe it out, you know. Right. Um, but yeah. I, I do think that they have to walk away with a minimum of a defensive tackle, a edge, a safety, and no one wants to hear this, and I don't want to say it out loud. They have to start preparing for the, the inevitability that Nick Chubb's not going to be on the team at some point in the near future. The crowd moves. Yeah, I know. I do <laughs> not something I want to yeah. say. He's he's my favorite player, and yeah. he's not even just my favorite player now. He's my favorite player since they've came back. Yeah. I, yeah. Just the way he goes about the job, the the way he runs, the way he doesn't celebrate his awesomeness. He lets us do that for him. He yeah. doesn't, you know. It's just he's a throwback. We don't see that. We don't see that. Not in just the Browns within the league. He's like an anomaly. And maybe he's an anomaly to the point where he'll he'll take such a team-friendly deal that it keeps him here longer, but he shouldn't. He should get paid every penny he's deserved, and I don't know if he'll be willing to do that past this contract. Uh, But this was a very deep running back class, so it would behoove them to pick up someone who can help in passing down situations and possibly be a rotational starting-type player in the future. And there are several candidates. You're going to get. There's going to be guys taken in round six of this year in the draft 
that will start games at running back in this league. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, probably tight end. I think that Harrison Bryant already played his last down as a Brown. Uh, they didn't pay Jordan Akins the $2 million they're paying him to be tight end three. It'll right. save them money. And then he, Harrison Bryant could be someone they use in the trade package. And this draft is really nice. There's really good tight ends late in this draft. Um, so I would say de- defensive tackle, defensive end, safety, linebacker, running back, and tight end. Those are my six. Yeah, Casey, uh, you mentioned Her- Harrison Bryant as a possible trade um, you know, uh, player to be traded during the draft. Who else do you think could possibly be traded during the draft? Wyatt Teller. Okay. That make me sad, but I, yeah. I think that he is an option. It just, you know, guard is such a weird position because it's not overly valued. But the Browns yeah. have paid some guards now. You know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, big time. I don't want to contemplate the idea that it could be Joel Batonio, but I just think you could get a lot of value yeah. out of Teller right now. And I'm not 100% sure that his best football hasn't already been played. Yeah, I, I don't, you're not going to get any disagreement here, um, I think, from either one of us on, mm-hmm. on either one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Jeff, let's hear your. Uh, your thoughts on the on the seven picks you believe the Browns will make? Right now, I see eleven spots that we still need. Right, we went over this a few weeks ago, but um, you know, in terms of the depth pieces that we still need, there's there's still eleven spots that we need. Um, so. What to me are are the most important, and I know Andrew Barry doesn't approach the draft like that. He approaches it like you know, who's the best player here? Who's the best player here? Does you know does fit you know fit is kind of secondary, right? But to mm-hmm. me, the priority in this draft is is the lines, the defensive line and the offensive line, mm-hmm. and on the defensive line, it's got to be a guy who brings something that. We don't already have, you know, that the, the guys on the team can't do, you know. So um, while it would be nice to have a backup nose tackle behind Dalvin Tomlinson, I think we need a guy who does something different, who has a unique skill set, right? Um, so for our first pick, I think that's kind of what we're looking for. Beyond that, it's it's guys that we're we're looking to develop for positions that are going to open up in coming years. And for me, that's tackle, um, center and guard. So, you know, a guy at at the tackle position um, who can swing initially, you know, between the right and left and can eventually take the place of one of those guys that whether we, you know, fall out of love with Jed Wills or whether we move on from uh, uh, Jack Conklin, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, maybe maybe we view James Hudson as Conklin's eventual replacement. We could we need to have a guy if we're not going to, you know, continue with Jed Wills. We need to have a guy who can potentially take his place. Right. Um, so I think D tackle, offensive tackle, safety and linebacker. 
you mentioned it about safety, Rod. We're looking for a number three safety. Mm-hmm. Um, linebacker, I still think you know we don't we don't really know yet how um, Jim Schwartz is going to utilize his linebackers, but from the typical deployment in a wide nine, that middle linebacker is an important position. I mean, it's it's a high use guy that that really needs to be able to do a lot of things. And I don't think that player exists right now in our in our roster. Um, so I, I would yeah. like to find that that big middle linebacker um, that can fill that role. Um, and then the rest of them are, are kind of crapshoots, but I, I think there's, you know, there's cornerbacks, there's running backs, there's wide receivers. There's a, a plenty amount of wide receivers in this draft that we could come out with a guy that could be our number six this year and could leapfrog a couple guys in future years. Um, and then there's that, you know, idea of, are we, are we happy with our two backup quarterbacks right now? Or do we want to be developing another guy? who maybe has a little bit different skill set um, as a long-term backup. So I guess if, I, if you're going to hold my feet to the fire, it's going to be D-tackle, O-tackle, safety, linebacker, running back. Uh, wide receiver, center. Okay. Center guard, because I think we're, I think we're probably going to live with quarterback for another year. Even those are, even though there's like, I think a a perfect guy there, we're probably going to live with our quarterbacks for another year. Okay. Well, here's my order. Um, Five picks. And I mean, guys, somebody has to be wrong in this. So I'll just, I'll just (laughs) go with it. So um, I'm picking five players. And I look at my list and I'm thinking people are not going to be happy if this is how the draft goes because they're going to be not addressing some positions. But this is what I have. And and I'll even say they'll be picked in this order because if you're going to be wrong, you might as well be just completely wrong. So um, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I got him going uh, defensive tackle, safety, defensive end, wide receiver, running back. And, okay. and then just moving on and filling in the other holes with undrafted free agents and and uh, and miscellaneous free agents and and just you know just just going on. And yep. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yep. We. So none of us has any better chance of being right than the other one. That's right. That's the <laughs> right. fact. Yeah. So uh, so so Jeff, I'll let you start this one. What what position goes undrafted? If if you had to if you had to guess, because it seems like. You know, there's one position everybody's screaming for every year, and then the Browns just don't pick. Like, I mean, you know, you wanted a tight end last last year, and I wanted uh, a tight end last year, and we didn't take yeah. one. So, um, what what position goes undrafted this year that that it seems like the Browns have have a need for, or could you know, or could just take a guy based on the class or whatever you you know, however you want to look at it. What position yeah. do the Browns not pick a guy at that you would like to see him pick a guy at? I'm going to say tight end, tight end again, um, because I think we can go out and find a third tight end in the free agent market um, who can give us that that blocking tight end for our heavy sets. Um, 
and we've got two guys who can play the position extremely well and are complementary to, to Deshaun Watson. So I don't know that it makes sense this year to go out and draft another tight end. Um, there's a lot of them, but they're also really, relatively speaking, old guys. So it's going to be interesting to see this year because there's a lot of talk about the age guardrails, and you know maybe you buy into that, maybe you don't. Um, but you know, will Andrew Barry back off of that philosophy some this year, knowing you know where his roster is at, that he might want some guys who are a little more experienced, a little more ready to play, right? Um, but if he's looking for his typical developmental tight end. Most of the guys in the draft this year are older than Harrison Bryant. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Casey, Jeff just pretty much told you they're not going to pick a tight end after you said they were. So, um, <laughs> so what are you thinking? <laughs> well, I do want to touch on a couple of things Jeff did say. And the age guard rose is a huge one because people are just kind of superimposing like, well, with the state of this roster, he's probably going to bend on those. Based on what? What has he shown us that shows us he's going to bend right. on? That, right. I mean, yeah. he is stuck to that. Until you get to rounds five, six, and seven, all those players are 21 or younger. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done that yet, and there are a ton of 23-year-old tight ends, 23-year-old players in general uh, across the board, really talented guys too. And right. you know, and maybe they would have not been there had the COVID – year not happened that all these players got this extra year of eligibility. Um, but if I had to pick a position that I think will like what's going to make the fans mad that they didn't pick, I could see them going through this draft and not taking a receiver. Yeah. And I know everyone yeah. wants, and it, everything would point to them needing one because they're wanting to move to more 11 personnel, you know, and, and, and receiver is one of those positions now because of the way the game's evolved at the lower levels that these guys are ready to play sooner because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you would get a receiver even high, even in the first, second round. And you wouldn't expect anything until year three because that's the trajectory. Now it's, these guys are real ready to play out of the box. Um, yep. But I, I, yeah. I, I think that the guys that they would covet are going to be the younger guys that do go earlier. And I don't see them taking a shot on a older receiver later. So I'll say they're going to make the fans mad by not taking a receiver. I could see it happening. In in reality, guys, they don't have to take a receiver this year. I mean, it it, it would fit well, but with the guys they have on the roster, they don't have to have a receiver this year. It it would work well for the future. Right. But, I mean, I don't think they really have to do it. Um, I I think it's going to depend on how the draft goes. Uh, for for me, I would say um, I would say linebacker just because they just don't value the position all the time, and <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they just if they just blow through the draft without picking a linebacker. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I guess we'll see how much of an impact Jim Schwartz has on on the right. on the draft. You know, right. and that that'll go at uh, defensive line and a, and a linebacker. I would think for sure. Yep. So um, what position would be a surprise pick, but not so much of a surprise? I mean, you can almost see the Browns picking somebody at every position on the team. So, yep. so Casey, what what position um, would kind of surprise you 
if the Browns took a pick, or or do you think the fans would be surprised by cornerback? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you can never have enough of them. This draft is is loaded with them. There, I, I could see them very easily taking a cornerback and just leaving everyone scratching their heads again. Um, that just they they value certain positions, and you see them, them constantly stock that position. Yeah. Uh, I so I wouldn't be surprised. I think the fans would be very shocked, and it'll lead to a Twitter uproar. Uh, but. It- if they are surprised by that pick, it's only because they did not listen to Jeff on this podcast. <laughs> Jeff's been talking about it for weeks, the cornerback class and how the Browns could pick a corner pretty much at any pick. So, yeah. well, He's not wrong. They're, they're <laughs> loaded throughout this draft, and there are guys. They brought in a few. Um, I think that the, if they did, they could get a corner by technically getting a safety. I think that's the technicality. We need to acknowledge they could get Jamie Robinson from Florida State, who's technically a safety, but best yep. believe that dude's going to play slot corner. Yep. Um, okay. So, so they could get away with not picking a corner and get a corner. So He's that's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Jeff, you going you going with corner, or you going, or do you have something else to throw out? I, I guess the one that would probably surprise me the most would be quarterback. Um, like I said, even though I think there's a guy sitting there that would be a perfect long-term backup for us. Can I um, can I ask, can I ask a question real quick? Yeah. Is it Dorian Thompson Robinson? Yes, it is. All right. <laughs> so I asked, last week I kind of asked a loaded question about you know whose skill set is most like DWs, and to me, I mean Dorian Thompson Robertson is. I mean if if you you're looking at him from a distance you think he's deshaun watson um he's a little bit smaller but he plays almost the exact same way and you know if, if like we we're talking last week rod with lamar jackson being backed up by todd hunley i mean they're they're very similar players they're plug and play you know if yeah. guy, one guy goes out you plug the other guy in he, yeah. he executes the exact same offense and, and and that's what dtr can do for you you know but Maybe they're just totally happy with the two guys they've got. Well, I mean, it, it's everybody loves Josh Dobbs, but yeah, I mean, he's on a you know he's on a one year deal, right? So right, we um, cut him last year. Yeah, and, and we cut him. So yeah, <laughs> and um, I don't think any of us really know anything about Kellen Mond. So um, the Browns like right. him, but what right. do we know about him? Right, you know. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I mean, I. Quarterback wouldn't surprise me, but that's only because we because we've talked about it. Um, I don't know that any position would surprise me because you know I think the the least likely signing positions are corner and quarterback, and then neither one of them is going to surprise me now. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. so we'll see. You know. Yeah. 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 I guess. I guess. Um, yeah. I guess if they took a fullback, I'd be shocked, but. Long snapper. Long <laughs> snapper. Yeah. Maybe, kicker. Maybe a kicker. Yeah. That, that's about it. Any other yeah. position, I'm not going to be surprised. Right. Because right. I, I, I'm starting to understand who Andrew Barry is. <laughs> right. Well, and, but, you know, he thinks about things like, okay, I've got three really high quality cornerbacks right now. Okay. But how long are they going to be here? You know, um, Greg Newsom's already making some noise and, 
Denzel Ward's expensive and gets hurt sometimes. And those are marketable assets, right? So what if you could pick up yeah. another MJ Emerson type guy this year in the fourth or fifth round who would be an amazing value for you, just like MJ Emerson is. And now you've got two, you know, really solid quarter cornerbacks that aren't costing you almost nothing. <laughs> you know, where can you use that money? You know, you can use it somewhere else. Right. So yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to look at that and and think about you know how do you maximize a roster, you know? particularly when you don't have those high picks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff, I I think we already talked about this, but we'll we'll do this once again and we'll we'll get Casey's input. This is the last one. Casey, the most likely pick to be traded out of the eight picks. Uh, the most likely, uh, Jeff touched on it earlier, they have 140 and 142 in round five. Um, I think that you look at that and they just, they look at that as a se- as a sector, you know, and they're going to get the player they want out of that sector and they could bounce out of the other pick very easily. So mm-hmm. I would say that's definitely the most likely in my mind. Mm-hmm. So which one of those two? Well, it depends on the board, you know. They might think that they have they, they're slick and they can just pick the guy at 142 and get more value out of 140. But the smart thing would be the bird in the hand scenario where you take the guy <laughs> yeah. at 140 and just get rid of 142. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with I'm with you. I, I, that's why I have them trading 140 um, because they like to surprise <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing to me, Rod, is is when I look at the mocks, there's mm-hmm. four guys in there that I like that I think will be there around so, 140 and, and guys that we could potentially really use on this roster and, and DTR is one of them. Um, you know, well, my, maybe they'll my say, favorite, maybe they'll use both of those packs. Who my knows? favorite wide receiver is probably going to be sitting right there. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's probably where we're going to want to take a running back, you know? So I don't know. I, I, if you ask me what's the most likely that one makes the most sense, but, but man, I, I'd hate to not take a player there. Just like last year, I hated that we traded the pick where I thought we should have taken that tight end. Yeah, well, maybe maybe it's more likely that one of the fourth rounders gets traded, you know, and they tried to get into the third round, mm-hmm. you know, for, for 24. Well, um, you know, maybe yeah. he sees more value in doing that, but it depends what he does before that. Right. You know, if, yeah. if he... If he trades down, especially if he trades down at all from 74 and and adds an extra fourth rounder or something like that, then, you know, it's probably likely that he uses one of the fourth rounders and and ships it off someplace for a pick in 24. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So the question question you haven't asked, Rod, is, is, is who would we think is worth trading up for? Well, that's a great question. Why don't you why don't uh, why don't you Casey, kick that off, Jeff? All right, all right. I was gonna let you guys go first, but for me, there's one guy that I would absolutely trade up for, um, and I don't know how high we'll have to go to get him. Probably up into the 60s, okay. Um, and he may go sooner than that. I don't know, but um, his name is Tuli 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 Palatu. And I know how, you, you know, we love having tongue twisters on this team. So yeah. <laughs> he'd be a perfect fit. Um, but out of USC. So he is, he is a sort of Swiss Army knife 
D lineman. Um, he has played every position on the line from the zero technique to wide nine. I mean, he's, he's played in systems like we're going to run. Um, he's six, three, depending on when he was made weighed between 270 and 290. So he can play out on the edge. He can play inside. Um, he's disruptive. I mean, if, if you watch the tape on this kid, that's the best word I can use to describe him. He is just disruptive everywhere he plays. And I think he would be such a neat piece to add to our defensive line and give Jim Schwartz something that he could use as a chess piece and just move around and just, I mean, imagine a line with, you know, with him on the inside and, and, um, double O on the outside, Miles Garrett on, on, you know, on his side. I mean, they would, they would, the pass rush would be crazy. And that's exactly what Jim Schwartz is looking to do. So for me, that's the guy I'm going to go trade up for. If, if we can get to him, um, I'd say there's probably about a 30% chance that we can pull that off though. Someone's got, someone else is going to love him as much as I do. Yeah. So Casey, what are your thoughts on, on that, on that player? And then um, who would be the guy you would go up after? Cooley's got tremendous upside. Uh, he's straight up playmaker for USC. You watch him on tape. I mean, he's, he's got all the tools in place already. I think that he'd be, if, when, I've done so many mock drafts, and they yeah. he 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 varies. I saw one. I took one earlier today, and he went 43rd overall. So I'm keeping an eye on that. That's the, that's what you want to see. You want to see who's who do you think could slide. Yeah. For me, I'm only trading up for edge or DT. I'm not contemplating anything else right now. I think that that's that's the greatest area of need, and that's yeah. where you're going to get your most return. Mm-hmm. Um, out of Boire, out of Northwestern is one I would keep an eye on because he's a tweener. Uh, he's, but Jim Schwartz doesn't care. Like, I know the Browns have had this kind of guard well where, like, they like these really big edge players, really long. Look at the success Schwartz had with Brandon Graham in Philadelphia. That's not a big, long guy. He's just a guy who gets after it. And yeah. I think Boire would, would, would do exactly that. And he has inside-outside versatility where on – Obvious passing downs, you can kick him in at D tackle, and he can just wreak havoc. So, let's say Adeboire or Felix and Adike Uzoma, the edge rusher from Kansas State. To me, he has. I think he's going to go late in the second round, and I'd be willing to bet money that by the time his career is over, he'll have more sacks than Lucas Van Ness and uh, Tyree Wilson combined. He's just a complete defensive end, has a really good pass rush plan. And I think that he's going to be someone that we look back and we're like, how did he get passed up in the first? So those would be my two players to watch. Yep. Nice. So, guys, do you think there's any likelihood of of that big middle linebacker falling far enough that the Browns could make a run at somebody? I just can't see a world which they trade up for the middle linebacker, even though it is very important towards the defense. I just think that the way their principles are, like, uh, I'll let you know, and I assume we're all talking about Jack Campbell here, right? 
There's a couple other guys yeah. I think are interesting too. I think um, Drew Sanders or, or Noah Sewell could could be there. You know, mid third round. Get Sewell. I think they could get him without having to trade up. Yeah, yeah. If that's the position could. they wanted to go. Yep. Um, I. I think someone's going to overshoot the shot with Jack Campbell and probably take him at the end of the first. Mm. I, I see. I see the Buffalo Bills being very serious contenders to take Jack Campbell services. Mm-hmm. Uh, he feels a specific need. They lost a lot in free agency. Yeah, yeah. It's another uh, guy I like a lot, Rod. That um, is. I mean, I'm not sure how they would actually use him early on because he's just a little bit undersized right now. Um, but uh, Demarvion Overshone out of Texas mm-hmm. is—he's the kind of guy that could grow into his body and and develop into that role. Um, he's a little bit like JOK. I mean, he's just a a really high impact, um, fast kind of guy. That I mean, he started out as a safety, um, mm-hmm. and I I think he could be a nice complement to JOK. Um, in our linebacking core. Um, and he's probably going to be there in the fourth round. So, oh. um, you know, we don't necessarily need to take that position early in the draft. We, if, if we're not thinking about that guy really playing a lot this year, maybe we take a guy like that and we grow him and develop him for a season or two, uh, you know, with the idea that, you know, this is the type of player that Schwartz wants. Right. Right. Well, it it's going to be interesting. Do you guys plan on watching the first round? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. I will be. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be watching the first round. I knew Casey would be. I, I mean, I'll I'll probably watch some of it. I don't know if I'll stay up till two a.m. to see who you know who goes you know thirty second or not. But yeah. it's just so slow. The pace of the first round is it just is. so <clears throat> agonizing. You know, it does. It does. Fifteen yeah. minutes before you know who the next guy is, and I, I, I just don't have that kind of patience when I'm not invested yeah. in it. You know, yeah. um, of course, you know, like like we've said, that'll probably probably means we'll figure out a way to trade back in the first round, and I won't see it happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the Browns will trade their entire draft class and two players. And, you know, <laughs> right. they'll trade into number twenty-seven, and they'll they'll pick. And it'll guy. happen at one a.m. and yeah. none of us will know about it until the next day. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, I I think I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how many of these eleven backup roles that I think we need right now we can pull out of this draft, and and what that means for us in the next two or three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to be excited. It's, it's just a fun time of year. So, so yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, let's get some closing thoughts. Uh, Casey, what, what do you have to say to the, to the listeners headed into the NFL draft? The reason I love the draft, I even watched it when we didn't have a team, man. I, I like watching young men realize their dream. I, I think it's an amazing thing. I sometimes have to watch it with the volume down, though, because these, a lot of these telecasts will drag these young men's past through the mud. You know, they'll bring up things that if the, if the player himself wants to bring it up, that's fine. But you'll see them just like bring their whole, they had a bad family life or something. 
and then they'll kind of bring that in the forefront. And I wish they wouldn't do that because this is not this is an the achievement of a lifetime. They're going to change their family's trajectory. You know, so I watch the draft for more than just who the Browns are going to get. I, I just like the uh, I like seeing people. I like seeing good things happen to good people, man. That's something I'm a fan of throughout life, not just in football. Um, yeah. But as a, as a Browns fan, I put my Browns goggles back on. Um, and this is also because we haven't had first round picks, and I don't know how I'm going to act in 2025 when we get one back. But uh, <laughs> I <I've, laughs> I fall in love with like late round value. Like I fall in love with these prospects that are going to be available in day three and. And I, I'm just I'm compelled by it, you know. Um, so and enjoy it, enjoy this. And, and a lot of people get mad. They're like, "Oh, off-season champs, print the shirts." What would you have them do? Make bad moves? Right. Like you right. want to see them do good things, you know. So so be happy if you if you. And the, the reality is, these the, the, the Browns, whether they take five or eight or ten players, half of them probably aren't going to hit. Half of them probably aren't going to be good. But be, you can be you can be excited about it. Mm-hmm. So so, so yeah. do that. Choose joy over over being pessimistic. <laughs> That's there's, right. There's too much of that going around. Cheer for the guys in the orange and brown. Absolutely. That that's Casey Kenneman. Follow him at Casey underscore Kenneman and check out all of his stuff at Dog Pound Daily and and everything else he has posted on his Twitter account. Jeff, do you have closing thoughts for us tonight? Yeah, Casey's, Casey's absolutely right. It's it's super nice to hear all the great stories for these young men um, on draft day. I just really hope that I don't have to watch some of my favorite players go to the Ravens and the Packers again this year. <laughs> Dang, yeah. Isn't that the story Every of the draft? Year. Right. A tradition yeah. like no other. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. Well, this has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.